So as they are heading out, uh, by way of reminder for the Varner Care Group, uh, we are meeting at the Rikers tonight, Kendall and Rhoda. Uh, what is the address again? 4005 Brothers Road, LaGrange. So if you're looking for a care group, you're not part of one, come to 405 Brothers Road. And we'll welcome you, my brother or sister. What's that? 4005. What did I say? 405. <laughs> Sorry. I'll end up at the neighbor's house going, what are we cooking? <laughs> and it's barbecue night, chicken and burgers and dogs. I probably shouldn't have said that. Everybody's going to show up now. But anyway, y'all come join us if you'd like to be a part of a group. If you're not plugged into one, we would certainly uh, love to have you uh, for that. As you know, we're continuing our study through the nine marks of a healthy church. And uh, we're going to push a little harder this morning. We do have a business meeting following. Um, and so uh, I'm going to try and be a little, a little brief. But don't worry, we're not going to cheat you of any content. Because Lord willing, the next three marks will pretty much have us in the same place. This week's mark is a biblical understanding of the gospel. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be center on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, in this study, this is probably, no doubt, is the one we better get right. So if I were to ask you, what is the gospel? Let's just imagine for a second, somebody comes up to you tomorrow, or today, at your workplace, maybe your neighbor comes over, co-worker, whatever, friend, family member, and they were to come to you directly and say, what's the gospel? What, is that, what does that even mean? What is that about? Can you share with me the gospel? Sad to think, but many professing Christians would not be able to give a clear presentation of the gospel. They would not be able to answer the question. Community Baptist Church, this is one of the very reasons I wanted to do this study. This is why I believe God led us to do this study, because I believe God wants the message, the good news of the gospel to be clear especially in a day when it is so confusing. And so maybe you're sitting there, and as I ask that question, you being honest with yourself and honest before God, you say, you know, I really don't know that I could answer that question. What is God? I don't know that I could share the gospel. I pray that by the end of this study, you will be able to clearly communicate the gospel. You yourself will fully understand what the gospel is. By the way, we would typically answer the gospel means what? Good news. Good news. So it better be good news. Right? It better be good news. I want to start with telling you what the gospel is not. Okay? Because again, in the church, let me say it this way, outside the church, the non-believer, the world, I expect the world to assault this message. Right? And they'll, scholars will try and debunk, you know, the, the idea of Christianity and, and they'll throw at you all this religion talk and, 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 and they'll just, you know, atheists, oh, there's no such thing as God. I expect the unbelieving world to hit us 
in direct assault on the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the sad thing. Within the body of Christ, the enemy has done a good job of confusing people because he knows, and I believe this, that, that if, if you are truly born again, you cannot be unborn. And so Satan knows if he can't get your soul any longer, he can't uh, have you follow blindly straight into hell, he's going to do his best to confuse you and what better way than around the truth? Because if you can't share the truth with other people, then they can't be saved. So there's a lot of these things being pushed around in the professing church that's causing great confusion. So what, what the gospel is not... Let me say this. The, the good news is not simply that God is love. In the day in which we live, there are a lot of people, a lot of professing believers who want to just focus on this attribute. Now, this is a true statement. God is love. That is true. But it's not the whole story. You know, we live in a day when we are in a news-saturated society, aren't we? I mean, you know. News channels, 24 hours a day, we get our news from certain sources, and depending upon where you get your news depends on your worldview. I mean, we live in a very, very divided society and time here in America. And the media is driving that wedge even deeper. Uh, I noticed an area church, Pastor Nate sent me a, a picture the other day I could have probably used in the last sermon series when I put up all those church signs uh, that one's doing a, a, a store or doing a series on fake news. And many of you have come to know that slogan uh, of recent days. But guys, if, to just kind of pun off that, play off that, you know, there's a lot of fake news in the church. It's not the truth. There's a lot of churches peddling what is uh, seemingly true, and sometimes it's partial truth, it's half-truths, but it's not whole truth. And the result is eternity at stake. There was a, uh, article, there was a section in the book, if, I don't know if you have this book, and, and if you have, you, you will recall this story here in this chapter. And I wanted to share it with you because I think it, 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 it it reiterates the point of we better get the facts straight. You better get the story right. Accuracy is, of course, the only attribute of the news that trumps speed and importance. People want their news and they want it now. But the one thing that trumps that is accuracy. So it must have been with unreserved horror that the editor of an English newspaper a little more than 100 years ago opened his printed and distributed paper to find, it, to find in it a most embarrassing, unintentional, typographical conflation of two stories. One story being about a patent pig-killing and sausage-making machine. That was one story. And the other story uh, being about a local clergyman, the Reverend Dr. Mudge who was being presented with a gold-headed cane. A portion of the famously mangled story reads as follows. So this two stories somehow in printing got interwoven. 
Several of Reverend Dr. Mudge's friends called upon him yesterday, and after a conversation, the unsuspecting pig was seized by the hind leg and slid along a beam until he reached the hot water tank. Thereupon, he came forward and said that there were times when the feelings overpowered one, and for that reason, he would not attempt to do more than thank those around him for the manner in which such a huge animal was cut into fragments was simply astonishing. The doctor concluded his remarks when the machine seized him, and in less time than it takes to write it, the pig was cut into fragments and worked up into a delicious sausage. The occasion will be, a long remembered, will be long remembered by the doctor's friends as one of the most delightful of their lives. <laughs> the best pieces can be procured for 10 pence a pound, and we are sure that those who have sat so long under his ministry will rejoice that he has been treated so handsomely. Well, you can see why we want to be careful in uh, sharing stories that we're communicating clearly and truthfully. Too often today we hear this gospel presented only highlighting one attribute of God. God is love. There's a young man I went to school with. He's openly homosexual and he's professing Christian. He goes to an Episcopal church, and he's all about highlighting the love of God. God loves him. And look, God does love him. God demonstrated his love for him while he was still in his sin. Christ died for him. But if he only believes that one portion of the gospel, I'm fearful to think that he will not embrace the Christ of Scripture. You see, guys... There's a lot of false gospels out there. There's a lot of fake news. There's a lot of false Jesus. Which Jesus do you believe in? Do you believe in the Mormon Jesus? Because he's a different Jesus than the Scriptures. Or maybe you believe in the Jehovah's Witness Jesus. That's a different Jesus from the Scripture. Liberalism peddles a different Jesus. What the gospel is not, the good news is not simply that God is love. The good news is not simply that Jesus wants to be our friend. Many of you have heard this, right? Remember, what was it, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, or mid-90s, I guess? Yeah. Jesus is my homie. Oh, ew. no, no, he's not, brother. That's not, that's not proper. Yeah. Now look, we know... Scripture speaks of Abraham was a friend of God. Again, not going to negate that God desires a relationship with you, but let's be careful uh, how we unpack that. The good news is not simply that Jesus wants to be our friend. We oftentimes, even in evangelical churches, would teach this or preach this, you know. It's not about religion. I've said that, I've said that, you've said that, we've said that. It's about a relationship. Well, that, that's somewhat true, right? We've, we've all said that. But let me read you a quote from, from MacArthur that may cause us to rethink in just sharing that portion. God wants a relationship with you. John MacArthur in his book Slave writes, How many times have we heard that the gospel offers people a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? 
What exactly does that mean? Let's stop for a second. Engage your brain, engage your heart. Jesus wants a relationship with you. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? Satan has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a very good one, but he's got one. Night and day, he accuses you, right? Read Job, goes into the throne room, has a nice little relationship conversation. Yeah, you let me touch Job. He'll, he'll blaspheme your name. Obviously, they have some type of relationship, don't they? We need to be careful with how we're presenting the gospel. Every living being has a personal relationship with the living God of one kind or another, leading to one end or another. Scripture makes real clear, and we don't like to talk about this, there's two types of people in the world. Children of God and children of Satan. Did, isn't this the language that Jesus himself used? We want to be more Christ-like, maybe we ought to try that tomorrow. Maybe you go into work tomorrow and say, you are of your father the devil. Eh, probably not the best way to you know, influence folks. And... But Jesus, did he not make the statement to the self-righteous religious people? He said, you brood of vipers. This is loving Jesus, remember? Little baby Jesus in the manger that the world wants to celebrate at Christmas. But the same religious people who are peddling a false gospel dare not be called on the carpet and be called to their face, you are of your father the devil. Well, you're not supposed to judge, preacher. We're judged not lest, lest ye be judged. Guys, we all judge. We either judge rightly or wrongly. We either rightly divide truth or we miss it. God has called us to judge rightly. Even in, you know, again, in the context of the misquoted scripture passage of judge not lest you be judged, keep reading. First remove the big glaring telephone pole out of your eye, then you will be able to see clearly how to help your brother remove the toothpick from his. We all must rightly divide the truth. What the gospel is not, it's not simply God is love. It's not simply that Jesus wants to be our friend. The good news is not simply that God will renew creation. Again, you will hear me oftentimes in the presentation of the gospel, paradise lost will one day be paradise restored. That's true, but I can't just speak of this renewing of creation. The social gospel wants to do this. The prosperity gospel wants to do this. They want to focus on the now. How we can, how we can get the blessing of the kingdom now. Be it through health, wealth, prosperity. Be it through social gospel, Right? Which, by the way, the gospel is not a social gospel. That's a big uptick, by the way. Young people, you're seeing this very strongly in your generation. An evangelical Christian, Bible-believing, God-fearing, born-again Christian, let me tell you, it's putting us to shame. It's giving credence to their false gospel. Because who doesn't? want to see a church come out and help a neighborhood and paint the walls and help granny cross the street 
and, and, and see all these good deeds and feeding the homeless and, and working with the poor and, and, and showing this unjudgmental spirit towards you know, people who are different from us. The social gospel is pushing to the forefront. The problem is they want... We say it this way, I think it was Mr. Lehman who, who taught on this from a League of Air Ministry, said they want the king, but they don't want the savior. They don't want the priestly things done. In other words, they don't want the priestly attribute of Christ, the death, the shedding of his blood, the sacrificial for the remission of sin, because they don't want to own the sin. They don't want to recognize the sin. They don't want to give credence to the death, burial, resurrection as such that requires repentance in faith, in a priest. As you know from our study in Hebrews, Christ is our high priest. He is our atoning sacrifice. He is our substitutionary atonement. But the social gospel doesn't paint that picture. A liberal gospel does not paint that picture. Here's a little helpful uh, uh, hint here. I think it was... Uh, Justin Peters said, if you have to add an adjective, then it's not the gospel. That's a pretty good little saying. If you have to add an adjective, it's not the gospel. Social gospel, liberal gospel, prosperity gospel. Guys, it's just the gospel. So how are we to understand the gospel? Well, let me give you this example, though, first, on a not-so-true not so gospel. I was at Walmart yesterday. Yes, I'm one of those deplorables, Walmart shoppers. And on my car was this advertisement for a church in our community, in our area. The Abundant Life, John 10.10. 10. Oh, hey, the Abundant Life. Jesus taught about the Abundant Life, right? He said, Satan came to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give life and give it more abundantly. Well, I wonder what that's all about. I, I wasn't sure. Me and Allison were a little confused. Was it the deeper life Bible church or the deeper life Bible church? I shouldn't mess with them too much because my spelling's not exactly stellar. <laughs> but I noticed uh, on the back, Jesus will give you peace of mind, prosperity, Abundant life. Freedom from oppression and sins. He'll give you freedom from sickness and satanic afflictions, such as joblessness. If any of you have joblessness, you're suffering from Satanism, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't understand that. Stagnation. Barrenness. Poverty. Nightmares. Any of you kids have nightmares? They can take care of it over there. Jesus will, will give you freedom from that. Spells. Some of you all are covered with spells. Jesus can give you freedom from that and bad luck. Guys, it, 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 I know we chuckle, but this is damnable. This is heresy. This is tragic. And it's here in our backyard. How many people flock to this in their weakness, in their moment of sickness, on their deathbed, pleading and desiring to have a healing. How many people who, who are struggling to make ends meet are going to sow their seed into this ministry in hopes that somehow God will hear their cry? Charlatans. 
And I'm not ashamed to call them out, guys. Because it's this type of thing that Satan is using under the umbrella of Christianity to confuse people, to destroy lives, to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. And that's why the truth matters. And that's why it's important that we equip ourselves with the truth so that we can defend against such. Seems like a good time for a commercial, doesn't it? Come see the Apologetics Conference. You'll learn more about how to defend your faith. <laughs> see Tyson for more info. But guys, this is important. Galatians 1, 8, 9 says, But even if, look at this, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which has been preached to you, let him be accursed. Look it up for yourself. Galatians 1, 8, 9. Check that out. It says, But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. He repeats it twice. I didn't stutter. You think Paul wanted to be certain and clear? on the importance of the gospel? He says in 2 Corinthians 11.4, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we've not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well put up with it. He's using sarcasm there at the end. He's like, man, you're going to embrace that. You're going to accept that. But you're going to give me a problem in telling the truth of the gospel? And that's how it is. A preacher like me telling the truth, speaking the truth in love, and trust me, I love souls enough to tell them the truth so they will not step out of this world into eternity and be lost in hell forever. To not tell them, to not warn them, that's not loving. Your child's caught in a burning building on fire and a handful of uh, uh, 80 people stand around outside have the ability to give them the information to help them get out and we all stand around and watch? Would that be loving? No, I dare say if that were your child, you would be outraged to think that we stood and watched while that child was consumed in a burning building. Christian, we need to know the gospel. But we need to know the whole story. The good news and the bad news. It's like a coin. When you have a, when you have a coin, the heads or tails, it's still the coin. Guys, there's bad news and there's good news when it comes to the good news. That makes sense? Let's unpack it. Here's the whole story. I'm going to help you memorize this. This is part of his book, part of his lecture. God, man, Christ response. This is going to help you understand the gospel in its entirety. So I want us to focus on this. God, man, Christ, response. Let's start with God. Here's what you need to know first. God is the creator of all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now what do we know about God? 
We know what's been revealed to us in Scripture. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The only reason you and I are here today, the only reason why anyone is walking this earth breathing, talking, walking, thinking, is because God created. So let's start, if we're going to get the whole picture, we talked about biblical theology last week, we're kind of carrying over in that theme to the gospel, we need the big picture. God, the one and only God who is holy, made us in his image to know him. That's how this all started. That's how this whole story got started. God created man and woman in his image, right? And yes, he desired that relationship. He created He didn't need it. He was in perfect union. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, perfect union. But God breathed life into man. He created them in his image. And as image bearers, we're supposed to rightly reflect God. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then we come to man. Again, keeping the context of the story. The whole gospel. All people though created good, have become sinful by nature. You see, what happened was we decided that we knew better than God. We decided that we would rebel against God. We decided that we would not obey God. You say, well, I didn't do that. Yes, you did. Adam and Eve represent us. We were in them. If it were you in the garden, you'd have done the same thing. And if you don't think you would, you deceive yourself, proving the point. We knew better than God, so we thought. And we fell into sin. And because of that sin, guys, we are now cursed with a sin nature. Everyone that is born into this world is carrying the same disease. We are spiritually dead. We are born spiritually dead. There's none that seeks after God. It's not a good little person, another good little sinner. If you want to use that phrase, go right ahead. We were talking about this in our care group the other night. People who think we're actually inherently good obviously have never had children. You don't teach your kids, right? You know, you have to, what's your favorite word with a, with a toddler? No, stop, right? Because by nature, they know to do what's wrong. It's you're reinforcing them to help them to try and learn what's good. Why is that? Why is it that by nature we desire to feed our own fleshly appetite? Why is it that as an adult my eyes want to wander? Why is it that as an adult my heart wants to stray? Why is it that I want to consume things on myself? Because by nature we're fallen. We live in a fallen world. From birth all people are alienated from God. Hostile to God and subject to the wrath of God. You say, well, I'm not hostile to God. I'm not angry at God. When I, before I came to know Jesus, I wasn't angry to him. I wasn't hostile. Yes, you were. And if you don't believe that, then you deceive yourself. 
Scripture makes it clear to be friends with the world is to be at enmity with God. Guys, we were at friends with the world because we were born into a fallen, sin-cursed world. Ephesians 2. Everybody turn over there if you want to look. You can read it here, but I, I'd love for you to end up reading the whole context here, and so you may want to mark your spot there. But Ephesians 2 makes this clear. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You see, there was a boundary, guys, with God, and we crossed it. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. See, there's that contrast again. Children of the devil, children of God, children of obedience, children of disobedience, children of light, children of darkness. This is scriptural language. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Because this is what God says about you and me. And we resist this as, as a people as a whole. We, we don't want to believe that we're, we're bad people. We don't want to believe that we're, at, at what the proper term, depravity. We are depraved people. This is the bad news. The bad news has to be given before the good news is good news. So if God is good and God is holy and He made man in His image and man was holy and perfect in the beginning and then man rebels against God because man wants to do his own thing and do what's right in his own eyes and so man falls into sin... And as a result of sin, death enters into the world. The curse comes upon the world. That's why you have some days that are sunshiny and other days that are stormy. That's why sometimes you see a rose that's beautiful that has a thorn that cuts you. This is why that you see good and evil played out in the world. The Christian worldview is the only worldview that makes sense of these things. And the bad news is that man fell into sin and death has been passed along. And so as we look at the biblical theology, we look at the Old Testament and we see in the promise in Genesis 3.15 that God will provide a way to redeem man. Man is in the slavery of sin. You don't believe me? If you're not a believer... There's no way you go through this week without sinning. As believers, we stumble. But we recognize we have a battle between flesh and spirit, right? We now have the abiding spirit of Christ within us as believers. But the bad news is, guys, we're dead prior to Christ, spiritually speaking. You have no fellowship with God, spiritually speaking. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. That's the bad news. 
But as you look through the Old Testament pages, as you look at the Mosaic Law, as you see the, the priestly sacrifices, as you see all these things being played out, who's it pointing to? The, the, the very Ten Commandments are an extension of the holiness of God. And God has always been calling people to repentance and holiness and faith. Let me say that again. God has always been calling people to repentance, holiness, faith. And those three twines go together. And He's made the means of provision of redemption to buy you back out of the slave market. And that's what this language is as you look through Scripture. Redemption is a purchasing back. And Christ did that with His blood. He rightly took our place. That's what leads us to the good news. But notice the bad news. This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. People don't want to repent and put their faith in Christ. People don't want to turn from their sin. Even in the quote-unquote church. But here comes the good news. Christ, Jesus Christ, who's fully God and fully man, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, shedding His blood to bear God's wrath in the place of all who would believe in Him, and rose from the grave in order to give His people eternal life. We've become so inoculated to the gospel that even when it's shared, we don't recognize it in its beauty. God was holy. Man rebelled. We needed a Savior. Our religious attempts to try and reach God failed. We couldn't live up to the Mosaic Law. Ask the Jewish people. Have you ever told a lie? Guilty. You ever stolen? Guilty. Have you ever looked with lust? Guilty. Guys, we're guilty before a holy God. James said that if you offend God in one point, you're guilty of breaking all the law because the law's been broken. We were guilty. And apart from Christ's coming, Apart from you repenting and putting your faith in Christ, you will receive the wrath of God. It's the mercy of God that's holding back the wrath of God that's going to be poured out one day upon this earth. And guys, we cannot leave that out of the gospel. There is a day of judgment coming. There is a day of wrath for the sinner. for the children of disobedience, for those who walk in darkness and not in light, for those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That speaks highly, I think, to the church because they know the truth, but they did not receive the truth. But instead had pleasure in their sin. Christ is our Savior and He's our King when you're born again, you're born into the kingdom of God. You're born into, you become a, ch a child of God. Jesus is not just your Savior and just your King, either or. He's both. If you're part of the family, if you're part of His kingdom, which will come, 
physically one day upon the earth, but spiritually is represented here amongst believers. He is your king. He is my king. Response. God is holy. Man is sinful. Christ came to atone and pay the penalty for our sin. And now we have to respond to that. God calls everyone everywhere to repent of their sin and trust in Christ in order to be saved. Guys, we have a response in the gospel. God calls everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and trust in Christ in order to be saved. Mark 1.15 is saying, this t- the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. It's like the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To, To the Jew, to the Gentile. Guys, we need to recognize the gospel as a whole. God in His holiness. Man in His fallen state and sinfulness in need of a Savior. Christ coming in His propitiation, His atoning sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His death on our behalf. The wages of sin is death. If we got what we deserve, we deserve death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And our response is repentance and faith. Not just faith. Oh, I believe that. Intellectual assent. Many of you in the church, many people in the church have a mental assent. I agree with those facts, but I'm not going to let it change my life right now. I'm having fun in my pleasure. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness because they would not receive the love of the truth. The truth is, guys, when we recognize that sin is a wicked and terrible thing that has got us in this mess and separates us from a holy God and that we desperately need someone to bridge the gap and we understand that Jesus reached down, taking on the form of a man. God came incarnate to save the sinner. We should embrace that cross in repentance. We should recognize that my life of sin nature has done nothing but lead me on a broad road straight to hell. And that God loved me enough to come and pay my penalty because I deserve that. Why would I not in brokenness turn back and say, God, forgive me. I know I've lived in, in, in satisfying this flesh and satisfying the desires of my own wants and doing what I believe is right and, and just filling my mind and, and my life with, with the things of this world. But I need to fill it with you. I want that relationship with you in its fullness, in its wholeness. God has made a way through the cross of Calvary and by repenting and putting my faith and complete trust in what's been done, not in what I do. He will give you a new heart. He will make you a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are becoming new. 
the desires of your heart will change. You won't feel the same in satisfying the flesh. You'll feel repulsed. You'll be sickened by the things that once entertained you. And if you don't feel that way, then you need to cry out to God to give you that transformed heart. You need to cry out to God in brokenness and asking to redeem you, to, to let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. Conclusion. A.B. Simpson is reported to have said that the gospel tells rebellious men that God is reconciled, that justice is satisfied, that sin has been atoned for, that the judgment of the guilty man be revoked, may be revoked. The condemnation of the sinner canceled. The curse of the law blotted out. The gates of hell closed. The portals of heaven opened wide. The power of sin subdued. The guilty conscience healed. The broken heart comforted. The sorrow and misery of the fall undone. That's good news. That's news worth sharing. Biblical understanding of the gospel is key to everything. I want to close with this clip. Some of you have heard my story when, I, uh, when Tyson and Maria first started coming here. I visited with Tyson at the house, and uh, he sat me down for an interview. I thought, man, I've never had anybody interview me. I'm supposed to be over here talking to him. He's wanting to interview me. Praise God. Somebody cares about the gospel and cares where his family's going to church. And I'll never forget his last question before I left the house. He says, okay, I got one last question for you. Me and you have just gotten on the elevator, 40th floor. You got 90 seconds to share the gospel. I'm not a believer. The, the line just broke. The cable just broke. We're falling to our death. Share the gospel with me. They're here. I, I guess we did all right. But anyway, guys, what if you had three minutes to share the gospel with someone? Three minutes. You're getting ready to step into eternity. What would you say? Check this out. Is that going to play? Is it not geared in? Could you YouTube that up for me real quick? Guys, again, when we think about the reality, what is the whole gospel? It's not that God loves you. That's only part of it. That's only a portion of it. We must share the bad news before the good news makes sense. People don't understand why they're in the state they're in. Three minutes to live. What do you say? I've got three minutes to live. I've got a knife in my bag. Okay, I'm afraid of dying. Yeah. There's a knife in my bag. 
Okay. I'm scared of dying. Mm -hmm. I want to go to heaven. Right. What would you tell me? How can you get to heaven? Yeah, I'm dying. I've got two and a half minutes to live. I what tell you, you I hope you had a good life. You're being good. So you come to heaven anyway. But I haven't been good. I've lied and stolen. I'm feeling really, really guilty. Yeah, I've Me had See the church? Yeah. You think they can help? They can I got help. two minutes to live. Yeah, You're going to drag me to the church. I'm lying on the ground. I'm bleeding to death. No, no, I carry you there. So what would the church say to me? I don't know. That's his job, not my job. <laughs> Your job? <laughs> so you just say, it's I'm not, a bad guy too. You'd say, it's <laughs> not my job. I tell you that if you, if you can forgive yourself. Right. I forgive myself, but I'm scared of God. I'm scared I've broken this commandment. God gives everything. Is, is, so if he believes that you truly are sorry for any wrongdoings you've done in your life. So I could be sharing you. a mansion with Hitler? Uh, possibly, but possibly Hitler has redeemed himself as well. So, so three million, six million Jews and Hitler says, sorry about that, and God lets them in? To heaven? Well, I believe that everybody's soul goes to a, a place that might be heaven and it then comes back and every time you're on the earth you learn from each life that you live on earth and then you get reincarnated. So I'm down to, I'm down to one minute and what, what have I got to do? Nothing at all. Everybody's life is, is a lesson in something, so each life that you live, you learn something and you grow from each life. So you, you believe in reincarnation? Yes, totally. What were you in the last life? I don't quite know. I think I lived in medieval times, actually. And who gives yeah. the new bodies to people? Who's in charge the of it? The souls choose what body. You can choose a what body, you want? A body is just skin. It's just, yeah. So where do you get the information from? Do you make it up? Um, not sure about that one. <laughs> it's no matter what kind of ritual you do. It's no matter to whom you pray and how you pray. As long as I believe, like yourself, okay, that there is God. There's something above us, something great, something we can't understand fully. It is. How okay? can I get to heaven? I'm not Jewish, I'm a Gentile. I've sinned, I've lied and stolen. How can you I am me? not uh, part of the Jewish religion, I see. Okay? So what I just believe I in just God. believe that you, you must be a good person. You must be I'm a not good a good person. No, I mean... Do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? Why? Why? Yeah. Because I'm a good person. Well, let me ask you some questions yeah. to see if you're good. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah, of course. What do you call someone who tells lies? Liar? Have you ever stolen something, even if it's small in your whole life? Mm, maybe, yeah. What do you call someone who steals things? A thief. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Mm, no. Never once? Probably once. Well, that's called blasphemy. It's using God's name as a cuss word. It's very serious. One to go. Jesus said if whoever looks at a woman and lusts after her, you desire her sexually, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? <laughs> you don't need to say any more. <laughs> so listen to this. By your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterer at heart, and you have to face God on judgment day. If he judges you by the Ten Commandments on the Day of Judgment, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? What you thinking about? Lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterer, huh? Yeah, everybody does. That's true. Would you Even go to you, right? Yes, sir. Would you go to heaven or hell? Well, I'd rather choose to go to heaven. You choose to go to heaven, but the Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake well, of fire. Well, he would forgive me, because I've done many good things in my life. Okay, now here's a little thought for you. Try that in a court of law. Say, Judge, I raped that woman. I've done a lot of good things in my work. life. It won't work. will it? And it's not going to work with God. He can't be bribed by good works. He knows what I did. Yeah. If God judges by the Ten Commandments, you'd be guilty on Judgment Day. Is that right? Like me, you'd be guilty. Yeah, I suppose so. But I think God knows that deep down there is good within everybody. And He, you know, when, you, when your soul goes to heaven, you get a chance to come back and 
Susan, let me give you one quote from Jesus. Do you know what justifying yourself is? Do you know what that means? This is what Jesus said of the religious leaders of his time. He said, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly thought of in the sight of man is an abomination in the sight of God. All our good deeds mean nothing to God. It's like a rapist saying to a judge, Judge, I raped that woman, I slit her throat, but I want to tell you, <laughs> I give money to the Red Cross. Just Nobody really knows, do they? Nobody's ever actually been there and yes, physically... Yes, they have. We've got the greatest testimony, the testimony of Jesus Christ. He came down from heaven to do the will of God. Can't earn everlasting life by doing something. It can only come by God's gift. But as long as I live good, you I mean, live good. You're a good liar in my yeah, I'm not proud of it. Okay. The only thing you can do is call upon the mercy of God, and He can give you mercy because Jesus died in your place. He took your punishment on the cross. Did you know that? When He was on the cross, He was being punished for your sins, for my sins, for the sin of the world. Then He rose from the dead. What you've got to do is repent. Don't just confess your sins to a priest. Go to God and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Say, create in me a clean heart and then turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ. The minute you do that, God will forgive you and grant you everlasting life. It can happen in an instant, not even three minutes, because God's ready to accept you if you're ready to repent and ask His forgiveness and trust the Savior.